You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest preaching for us for our revival services. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Good morning. 31 years, I can't hardly believe that. 29. Okay, well... I get, Mike and I were talking yesterday on the phone, and we were trying to decide. He said 30, 31, 29, somewhere in there. Well, I do too. I do too. You did down at Hoosier Hills Baptist Camp, so, so it, it would probably be close to that. I think, the, if I remember right, the first tent revival that I did here, I think I drove up, and I was on crutches. Uh, I, had, I had broken an ankle. Uh, I broke it twice, once once a ladder and once a tractor and bush hog mishap. Uh, but I remember coming up here on crutches, and uh, I was quite a bit younger man then. And uh, there wasn't hardly as much of me then as there is now. Uh, but a lot of water has gone under the bridge since those days. <clears throat> and we, we look at what God's done, and... and I stand amazed at, at the power of God's grace. Um, it seems that, that our Lord always very timely brings me to this fellowship of believers. Uh, you, you folks are a literally a lifeline to us financially and prayerfully. Uh, we do not take for granted your kindness extended to us. Uh, we are we're living in uh, wicked days, and uh, evangelism, as I have always known it, or or maybe revival work, that's been my calling. Uh, Bible conferences and and revival meetings and things of that nature. Uh, as I talked to your pastor yesterday, they are they're becoming uh, more and more a thing of the past. In a lot of churches, and and I, I, I I'm not trying to find fault. Uh, as I shared with him, uh, we're we're living in an unusual time, and and our work schedules are different than they were even 20 years ago, and uh, uh, family time is is different, and uh, so a lot of pastors uh, find that when they schedule a meeting. Uh, Sometimes they, they don't get the attendance they want, and, and that discourages pastors. And sometimes, quite honestly, I've seen pastors feel that they were embarrassed. Be, you know, they'd call a guy to come in, and, and uh, maybe the attendance was really low. And, and the pastor finally, at some point, will say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to fight that battle anymore. And so uh, a lot of the churches that I used to go into regularly now will have maybe a couple of Sunday you know, just Sunday itself through the years, they'll have a special day, and they don't have meetings anymore. And uh, it wasn't that unusual when I started out uh, back in the 80s. Uh, you still would have quite a few two-week meetings, Brother Case. And uh, uh, then, you know, most of the meetings were, uh, I remember the one year I had 22 straight weeks back to back and I promised the Lord if he'd let me have the good sense to not do that again I'd never do it again I didn't know any better I thought you had to take everything that you know people called you to do and I found out that was foolish on my part 
but uh, most of those were Sunday through Friday meetings. And, uh, and now, uh, you know, you're, you're doing really well if you can get folks to attend Sunday through Wednesday. Uh, so, uh, all of that to say, uh, we're, we're still seeking the Lord for revival. I still believe it's possible. I talk to a lot of people that say, well, I don't think revival's coming. Well, if I didn't believe that, I'd just sit down and say, come, Lord Jesus, today. And I pray for Him to come, but until He comes, I want to be found busy. And I want to be found seeking His will and, and believing that His Word is true and that His promises are good. And uh, so... Uh, just just kind of to give you a little background of where we are, uh, I am, I'm doing something again that I never thought I would do again. Thirty-something years ago, uh, when my daughter was born, I was driving a school bus for a couple of years. And I ran into one of my old uh, driver buddies uh, a month or so ago, and he said, I heard the other day that you're driving a school bus again. Is that right? And I said, I'm afraid it's right. And the next thing out of his mouth, he said, have you lost your mind? I said, well, you know, it pays for the insurance. Uh, but I have, I have wondered why the Lord has me back doing that. And uh, in preparation for this meeting, I had a couple of people rode with me last week for Thursday and Friday. And uh, there was a man who's going to be driving the route, and for some reason they're letting him have a monitor. I don't get a monitor. I guess they think he's going to need it, and I got news for him. He's going to need it. And uh, he's a believer. And I have a little shuttle run in the afternoon from a, a grade school to over to the high school, and I have a packed bus. And these are all grade schoolers. And uh, I told him the other day, I said, well, I hope you're both prayed up as we pulled up to the school. I said, you're going to really need it for the next 20 minutes or so. I said, this is going to be the worst 20 minutes of your day. <clears throat> and, and so sure enough, when, when I finally unloaded them about 20 minutes later, I looked and this fellow was, I mean, he looked like he was in shock. <laughs> he, he looked at me, he, he said, that was awful. He said, that was awful. I said, oh, I said, I said, brother, today honestly was a good day. And, and I wasn't exaggerating. It was. Now, I'm saying all of that not just, just to pass time. Our family structure is about gone in this country. Just about gone. Uh, many of those children are being raised by grandparents. Great percentage. I think I heard the statistic the other day at one of our meetings don't quote me on this, but it was something like only 13 or 14 percent of those kids are being raised by a mom and a dad. Uh, <clears throat> I've already dealt with things in the last year or so on that bus that you could not have made me believe that I would be dealing with a few years ago. And so that brings us to where my heart is today and for this week. Let's turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. <clears throat> now, I, I believe the Lord would have us to study here over the next uh, few days that we have together. And I know you're praying. Uh, I know many of you are. If you've not prayed for me yet, please do that and continue to do it through the meeting. 
society uh, seems to be coming undone at the seams. Now, if you are a member of a good church and uh, your family is intact and you're well physically and you're not struggling financially, you're in the very slim majority. Most people are fighting tremendous battles, even inside the church. Many families are struggling in a variety of ways. We have learned in America how to put up the facade of success and, and the facade that everything's well. And, and really, many times on the inside, it's just the opposite. There's chaos and uh, despair. Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthian church with uh, obviously a troubled heart. And uh, that's where my heart is. I'm, I'm troubled at what I see and what I hear, not, not just in our nation, but I'm troubled at, at the condition of the church. The, uh, uh, the, the seeming uh, carelessness of, of a lot of folks who name the name of Christ and, and uh, a lackadaisical attitude of, of uh, oh well, nothing, nothing we can do about it anyway. And uh, what good will it do us to read a letter that's around 2,000 years old? Well, I want to tell you something. It'll do you a lot of good if you'll ask the Holy Spirit to apply it to your heart. Because this letter is as up to date as tomorrow's newspaper. And... Uh, and he is dealing with a church in a corrupt society. Now I want you to read with me as we read a little bit. What time do we need to be done, Pastor? 10 till, 15 till? Okay, we can do that. <clears throat> this will just be an introduction anyway. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by Him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. Man, I love that when I come to that. I have to stop there and think, you know, we just need to preach several days on that. God is faithful. Aren't you glad that the Lord never fails? And that in all of our unfaithfulness and in all of our wavering, the Lord never wavers. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, 
but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them who, which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now that couldn't be written to any Baptist church in our day, could it? <laughs> contentions among you. Now I, I don't know who Chloe is, and most of the commentators don't seem to know particularly who Chloe is, but I have to admire this Chloe, because she had the gumption and the guts and the spiritual discernment to let Paul know there's a problem in the church and you need to pray for us and it needs to be addressed. Now, I have an idea that Chloe probably faced some heat because of that. And uh, uh, you, if you follow the Holy Spirit's advice in your life, you're going to face some heat, I can tell you uh, it's a lot easier to follow the crowd than it is to follow the Lord. Even the religious crowd. Even the church crowd sometimes is not going the way the Holy Spirit's going. Uh, you know, a leader is not a person that sees the direction everybody's going and jumps out in front of them. Uh, that's not what a leader is. A leader knows the direction they need to be going and leads in that direction. But there's not very many people in my day that I'm seeing in our day rather that are willing to be led. And so, so let's read on just a little bit, and then, then we'll, we'll stop and pray, and, and then I'll give you the introduction. Verse 12, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, there's a group out there that needs to read that verse. Christ didn't send me, Paul says, to baptize. I'm not sent as a baptizer. I'm sent to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now I'm going to stop there. Let's pray and we'll look at this. Father, help us, Lord Jesus, today to be, Lord, nothing more or less than your servant. Father, we ask for the moving power of your Spirit upon every heart. Lord, arrest us. Father, we pray for the many today that are in the path of this destructive storm. We pray, Lord, for those that are left with nowhere to go. And Father, in their despair, if there are those, and no doubt, Lord, many that do not know Christ, I pray, Lord, that this would be a time used by your sweet Holy Spirit, Lord, to cause them to cry out unto the Almighty for help. Father, help our brothers and sisters that are, uh, Lord, uh, uh, trying to escape the tempest there. And then, Lord, we're reminded today of even a greater storm that sweeps not across just Florida, but across our entire nation and world. And, Lord, we are swept up uh, in the great tidal wave of corruption Oh, God, please deliver us. Lord, today, press upon our hearts and our souls, Lord, the great need 
for real revival, personal revival. Help us, Lord Jesus, today to get our eyes off of all that's going on around us and help us to look up and lift up our heads for our redemption, Lord, certainly we believe draweth nigh. We pray all of these things in the high and lofty and lovely name of the Lord Jesus, and for His sake we ask, Amen. Well, there's no way that we can get to what we just read in its entirety. But I want us to look at the beginning of this chapter and, and see a couple of things that I trust will be a help to you. Corinth was a port city. It actually had two ports, one that faced east and one that faced west. And as a port city, obviously there was a lot of traffic coming through and a lot of merchandise that changed hands and uh, a variety of people that, that intersected. Their lives came together at the city known as Corinth. And Paul had instituted a church there on his second missionary journey. There had been souls saved, and an established church was intact inside of that corrupt society. And if you want to know a little bit about how corrupt Corinth was, remember that Paul wrote the Roman letter from Corinth. And if you want to realize a little about the corruption of the society, all you got to do is read Romans chapter 1 that we're all familiar with. And the corruption of the human heart that Paul brings out in Romans 1, he could have literally looked out the window from where he wrote it and observed many of these things happening right before his very eyes. It was a corrupt society that was depraved and wretched on every hand, much like our own. Uh, it was well known in those days uh, that... Uh, Immorality was rampant in Corinth. As a matter of fact, there was a saying in those days, if uh, one sailor would look at his buddy and talk about his date the prior night and said, hey, she, she's a Corinthian girl. Everybody knew what kind of a girl that she was. Or if there was a, a feast or a party had and someone said, hey, we had a Corinthian get-together, then everyone knew uh, what kind of get-together that it was. They were corrupt, and they were godless, and they were uh, drifting farther and farther from the things of God. And in that society, God, uh, in His, in His all-knowingness and in His grace, had planted a church. Now, everyone knows that uh, you put a boat in the water, and uh, that's where the boat is made to be. No problem when you got the boat in the water. The problem comes in when you have water in the boat. And uh, I think probably as I was thinking of this the other day and, and praying towards this meeting uh, that uh, it'd probably be true that the larger the boat, the more likely you would be to not see the water too quickly. If you're in a small rowboat, you're probably going to pick up on a leak pretty quick. And say, so, you know what, we better start pedaling this thing. We need to get to shore. And uh, so let, we've got a leak here and let's do something. But if you're in a big ship and that thing's divided up into compartments and it has a thick hull or maybe a double hull and, and, and it's really, it's, it's a seaworthy vessel. You could possibly have a leak there in a compartment or a place or a part of that ship and not know it uh, for a while. And I think that's true with the fellowship of believers. I think the larger we grow as the children of God, I'm talking about local assemblies now, 
the easier it is, it is for the world to begin to seep in in areas and we're not maybe aware of it until the damage is already done. Now, I'm not preaching down to you this morning, folks, and I will not do that this week. I'm preaching to you as a fellow believer who's living with you in a corrupt, fallen society, and we're all susceptible of getting water in our vessel. We're all susceptible of having society to creep into us, and we begin then to dissect Scripture based on what society says rather than observe society through the lens of Holy Scripture. Now, when we do that, we're already going down a deadly path. Uh, I, I tell people constantly, I've probably said it here before, if you want to get a good old-fashioned dose of clinical depression, just watch the news 24-7. <laughs> I, I, I turned it on last night. I turned it on to Fox, you know, and I, I was watching it for a while, and, and after a little while I said, man, that's enough, you know. I mean, it's enough. I, you know, I want to cry myself to sleep now. Uh, it, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just bad news on top of bad news on top of bad news. Uh, everybody's an expert in something, but it seems like all the experts are just educated dummies at times. Now, I don't, I don't mean to be ugly when I say that, but not all of them. But, I, you know, I get so weary uh, of hearing, okay, well, what caused this, and why do you think this happened? Uh, I don't know. I don't know why things happen the way they do, but there is a God in heaven who is in complete control. God today, His authority may be challenged by mere mortals, but I want to tell you, everything is still settled in the high kingdom of heaven. There's not any nervousness on God's part. I don't think the angels are nervous this morning, thinking that God is about to be overthrown. I believe that all is well in my Father's house. Now, it's not well down here. Uh, it is a tumultuous, terrible mess around us. I know that. I don't need the newsmen to tell me that. The Word of God tells me that there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all together gone out of the way, and they're all together become unprofitable. That's what the Scripture says about society. And I know that because I have been a part of society. I continue to be as the Corinthians were, but there's been a change in my heart. The Spirit of God arrested me years ago, invaded my life, came to where I was and stopped me in my tracks and made me aware that if I died, I was going to hell. I knew that beyond any shadow of a doubt. I remember sleepless nights. I remember nervous drives down the highway. I remember sickening walks along beside the river when I felt that at any moment I would fall in and drown and perish and I would go to hell. I remember trying to get into the car to drive and the nervousness would overcome me because I knew that if I wrecked on the highway and my life were to be taken from me, I would go to hell and face the judgment of a just God. I remember those days and nights of conviction power, and I remember the miserable condition of my soul. Oh, but glad was the day when the Spirit of God reached down and convicted my heart with such passion and such power that He would not be denied. 
And I said, yes, Lord, save a wretch like me. Lord, I need you more than I need the air that I breathe. I need you, Lord, to do for me what I can't do for myself. And the blessed Holy Spirit of God gave me peace beyond words. It's never left me. Now there's always down through the years been turmoil come and go. There have been times when the, the, the soul is tossed. There have been times when the mind is not at ease. But it's never been God's fault. It's always been my fault. It's very easy to get your eyes off the Lord like Simon Peter did and look at the waves around you. It's easy to see all the things that are going on. But remember, here's what I want you to see in this morning's, in this morning's session. Verse 2. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Do you know that the Corinthian church is the most worldly church in the New Testament? They're the most problematic church, it seems like, that Paul ever wrote a letter to. But he said, you're called to be saints. He said, you are in Corinth, but you have been sanctified to Christ Jesus. Now, that helps me. I hope it will help somebody. In a corrupt society, much like our own, God had instituted a church. Some of the world had crept into this church. It's obvious as you continue to read through the letter. And a lot of their thinking had been, had been uh, kind of polluted by the things of the world, and they'd begun to make their opinions based on what society was doing uh, rather than what God would have them to do, much like a lot of people in our own day. And as I've already said, when we begin to base our opinions and we base our decisions based on what's happening around us, we are doomed for disaster. When we do what we do simply because the crowd's doing it, that doesn't mean it's right. And now let me quickly say this this morning, church, as a warning. And, and I know it's, I'm not the first one to say this to you. I know your pastor, I'm sure. I know him well enough. He's already warned you of these things. But it troubles me to see a lot of people who are the people of God put all of their stock in a political party. Amen. Now, I want to tell you, I thank God. I thank God that Hillary's not in. I do. I don't make any apology for saying that. I thank God that she's not in office. But I want to tell you, Donald Trump's not the Savior. And it troubles me to see a lot of people that seem to think he's going to pull us out of all this. I want to tell you, he's not going to do it. I don't think he can do it. I don't think Washington will allow him to do it. But you know what? My hopes and dreams are not built on the Republican Party or Washington, D.C. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So I want to reiterate in your thinking this morning, as we begin this series of meetings, all of us, all of us, if we will be totally honest, are somewhat corrupted by the society in which we live. Somewhat. In some of our thinking, in some of our livelihood, in some of our planning, in some of our desires, some, some of those things or all of them collectively 
we're affected by the society in which we live. Don't forget, you are called to be saints. You don't have to die to enter into sainthood. You are called to be saints. Let me, let me read you something that Roy Lauren wrote on his commentary in the book of Romans, and I, I loved what he said. He said, he said, compare Romans to 1 Corinthians. He said, Romans begins with our old nature, and 1 Corinthians begins with our new nature. Romans requires justification, but 1 Corinthians requires sanctification. Romans leads sinners to Christ, and Corinthians leads Christians to Christ-likeness. There's a difference. Romans presents the appeal of a new faith, and Corinthians presents the appeal of a new faithfulness. I like that. There's so much truth in those sentences. The book of Romans introduces the sinner to the grace of God after it has shown him his sinfulness. But the letter to the Corinthian church says, Now you are saved by the grace of God. You're to be sanctified and set apart. And he says, I want you to know that sanctification is an ongoing process and some of you need to get busy on your sanctification. Now, I don't think I'll preach to anybody any harder than I will to me this week. It always seems that God brings me here at a season in my life when I'm facing decisions and I'm facing inner turmoil and that's kind of the way it is now. And the Lord's brought me here again for uh, this time of fellowship with your pastor and for you folks. And so this meeting may be more for me than it is for anybody. But I want it to be something that will help you along the way as well. You are called to be saints. Don't forget that. Don't forget that in the high court of heaven, your name is known. Now I'll tell you, that ought to stir us. God Almighty, the King of all of the universe, knows you by name. I have to remind myself of that occasionally. Do you ever feel lost in the crowd? Do you ever feel like you're the only one left? Do you ever feel like nobody cares? Do you ever feel like you've been forgotten? Do you ever feel like you're going to have to manipulate your own way through life? Forget all that stuff. God still knows who you are. God still knows your address. God still knows your phone number. God knows your condition. We need to remind ourselves of those things. You say, but preacher, it doesn't seem that way. The just shall walk by faith, not by sight. We're not to walk like the world walks, looking around us and form our opinions on what we see and what is out there. We form our opinions based, based on the Word of God. I constantly tell people this, and I don't know how it is up here, but down home, it seems like churches have... Uh, begun to operate more like a business. We're not a business. We're not a business. We are an organism, the people of the living God. And the world ought to look at us and say, I don't know what it is about them, but they're different. I don't know what it is about them. But they don't operate like we operate. They don't think like we think. They don't look like we look. They don't sound like we sound. There ought to be something about us, and that something is a someone, the Holy Spirit of God, who indwells the believer, and He changes us from the inside out. 
It's more than the natural appearance of our humanity. It's more than the clothes that we put on. There's something about the child of God. There's something about the person who has been redeemed by the blood of the darling Lamb of God that sets us apart from all of the world around us. And even the lost and the depraved look upon us and say there's something about them. There's something about their life. If we're called to be salt and light, we know, and this is an old saying, and it's not original certainly with me, salt will be a preservative. It can, can keep meat from spoiling, but it'll also create a thirst. It'll create a thirst in you. The salt and light in you should create a thirst in the world. It should create a desire for those the Holy Spirit's dealing with to come to Christ, and our light should shine more today than it's ever shown before because the darker the world, the darker the hour, the, the brighter the light should be. And we're, we're there today. So let's pray. Father, help us, Lord Jesus. Forgive us, Lord. Draw us, Father, close and closer to your ever-precious uh, side. Lord, may we see the work that was accomplished on the cross. And Father, may we understand today that we're left here, Lord, in this hour to be that salt and light. Help us to learn, Lord, from the letter to Corinthians. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.